podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Can you do me a couple of ones in a change for you? Fact machine takes once, don't it? Yeah, yeah. Hey, whoa, 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 don't do that. No point doing that. Give him the tenner back, right? You give him the fiver and the fifty, right? Give him that back. So you take that and you just give him the free ones. Right? Give him the free ones, that's it. Now you give him 30, right? You give him the 10 bob back, and you owe him, if I'm right, 22 pence. <laughs> that's wrong, isn't it? Back by popular demand, Simon Day and Friends Lockdown Show 2, Saturday, July the 4th, 8.30pm. Go to biletto.co.uk, search Simon Day and Friends. Tickets, only £5. Show will be shown on Facebook. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams, niche nonsense, or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. I am uh, Boyd Hilton, still still here, still going. Josh is there. Hi, Josh. Josh Landy, looking resplendent in his um, headphones and funny spare room. Hi. Thank you for that kind introduction, Boyd. It's great <laughs> being here. And um, all the excitement we had for football. A week, a week has been a long time, eh? It's such a cliche, I hesitate to use it, but let's just say seven days ago um, from now, seven days ago, we were, I was anyway, I was optimistic, I was thinking, you know, this is going to be a brilliant test of Arteta, he's bound to have, you know, communicated what he wants from the players, come up with interesting tactics, he's got mostly fit squad uh, to play with, you know, by our standards, quite, you know, it's going to be a whole new exciting chance for us to get into Europe, and now we face... What I consider to be, I, I think it's even more calamitous than than one could ever have hoped, hoped one could ever have possibly imagined. Anyway, we'll talk about the general state of Arsenal after our two glorious, inglorious defeats. But we have uh, a lovely guest as well. We have, I think, joining us for the second time, Chris Godfrey from The Guardian. Hi, Chris. Hey, how are you doing? Good, thanks. You are commissioning editor, I believe, of G- G2. That's Specialising on the interviews, so you sort out the interviews. Yeah, kind of exactly. celebrity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just sorting out, sorting out the interviews, doing a couple myself here and there, and um, and yeah, other than that, just sort of general editing bits and bobs, really. But your Twitter, um, your Twitter picture is of Gunnosaurus, obviously. Yeah. Um, priorities, and you're a big Arsenal fan. Um, Specifically, the sad Gunnosaurus. Yeah, it's the sad Gunnosaurus. Yeah, yeah. Now, you tweeted, I'm going to start with your tweet um, from the weekend, which I thought was very interesting. I retweeted it, but it, it, it was the third of a series of tweets about the current state of the club. Because every, let's face the, the backdrop is everyone, all the, I mean, my Arsenal Twitter feed is full of people, varying levels of hysteria and, you know, people getting angry, furious. How far do we blame, you know, Wenger? How far do we, you know, is it, has Barteta improved? Is, is, every, is, every, is the whole hierarchy at full? Is, are we heading for disaster? But you tweeted, your third tweet was, Arteta spoke of the need for change in culture at the club. And this applies to us fans as much as to the players. 
No more extreme reactions to every single bad result or jumping on players' backs at every given opportunity or not turning up to the stadium because you can't be asked. And uh, I thought that was a very good point because what's your feeling? I mean, my feeling is that the luck, the bad luck is excruciating and unbelievable. And I don't feel we can really, you know, I just don't see how you can judge what's happened since the restart when we lost two key players after about 20 minutes in the first game. Well, the player who came on had a complete shit fit and single-handedly conceded two goals. Um, and then we got lost our best player, Leno. He's our absolutely best-performing player. We lost this this in the second game and conceded the win, the losing goal and I believe the 95th minute when there was only supposed to be three minutes of uh, added time. What the point I'm making is, it's been really bad luck, hasn't it, Chris? And that... Coupled with the fact that, yeah, you know, Arteta's only been in, in charge since December and, ha- and has had to put up with um, months of the virus period and got the virus himself. What's your, why did you tweet that? And what, what message are you trying to send out to the fandom? I guess that, I mean, I guess the main thing is, you know, thing, it, it really sucks at the moment. You know, we've got... Let's not be around the bush. We've got a mid-table team here. We're not un- we're not underperforming. I think that's how I started the thread. Really, is that I don't think we are underperforming. I think this is just our level. Um, and I think whereas before we weren't sure if it was maybe maybe that Emery was, um, you know, not getting the best out of the team. I think now that Arteta's had the team for you know a fair few months now, I think it's pretty clear that this is this is just the level that they perform at, which is fine. That's where we're at now. Um, and you know, I think we have to accept that. The, the, the dream of getting a short-term fix in to try and launch us straight back into the Champions League, it, it's not happening. You know, At the moment, we don't even look like qualifying for Europa. And again, that's fine. We just have to accept where we are um, and accept that in the me- this is now a medium, long-term project with Arteta. I'm buying into him. I know it sounds like the club have bought into him at every level. Um, and I think that we just need to take a step back and just be a bit patient with with things and just accept that it is going to take time to get back to a level that, that we all want to be at. Um, and I just don't think the sort of mass hysteria you get around, you know, even just sort of lineups being announced on Twitter or the sort of a- attitude you get in the ground um, of jumping on a player's back um, or just like sighing every time, you know, the ball gets passed back because they're trying to build up to an attack, you know, just the, the, the small things and obviously the big things as well, uh, sort of general attitudes. I just think that they need to shift um, in line with with what we want to do in the medium and long term. Um, I think that's kind of what I was trying to say. Um, yeah. yeah. Josh, you're about. I'm just, to say yeah, something. I'm just wondering whether Chris there touched upon this idea. This is this is our level, and I just wonder. I know we haven't got a team. I think capable of getting in the Champions League, but I would argue that those players are a little bit better than ten. I don't think we've got the 10th best squad. I think we should be at least competing for a Europa League squad. But you just look at some of the players that Arteta is selecting at the moment, and there are wider issues at the club. I was just trying to make notes here, right? You've got Saka, probably our most exciting young player by everyone's admission. You mentioned there, Boyd, about Leno being player of the season. I think there'd yeah. be people who would argue for Saka. We, yeah. we can't even tie him to a contract, and there's rumours about what will go on there. You've got a Bamiyang that we've spoken about and discussed here. We can't tie him to a contract. We've and then we've got like Sabayos and, and David Luiz, who we'll talk about David Luiz, I'm sure, in the City game. But players that have 
played in that you know first game back, who I don't think we're even aware right now. We're assuming they're gone, right? The, from all the speculation, the way it's been played out, but it hasn't been like unequivocally said. And I think is it tomorrow's a deadline, and when these loan deals are supposed to be, you know, ratified if they're going to be extended. So there's a bunch of players, and we haven't even spoken about Ozil. And then we've got, you know, it's just, it's just so many players that we've got individual issues with at the moment. But I think that that maybe those issues are hiding the fact that actually forget all that. This squad is better than 10th and Arteta is going to get time, but he has, he has to do better with, with, with what he's got. And I think he will, but it's painful at the moment because what if we got Southampton and then we go to Sheffield United in the cup this week. If we think we're feeling bad now after what's happened, I'm scared for this podcast next Monday because what confidence do you have, Boyd, that we're going to be in a better mood next Monday? Um, I'm not confident of that. No, I, I'm scared as well. I'm, 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 I'm terrified. But all I'd say is, I think I agree with you. I think, I think, I don't think, yeah, I don't think, I, don't, I mean, we'll, we'll find out. I don't think Chris means we, we're literally 10th and, you know, I, I think we're, yeah, I think we're like maybe top six, seven. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think our best 11 is probably capable of, of you know, of, of doing well against most teams and even beating most teams, blah, 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 you know. But I feel, I feel, I just feel I can't, I, I think if you, you, it's, you can forget that in the period before the um, the lockdown and before the arrival of the virus, he was, he was kind of on a good run. We were on a bit of a good run results wise. And he was kind of already showing for me that he is getting hold of these players and trying to instill a different, um, a different, feel in terms of the in terms of the way they mentally you know the kind of weakness of the squad which is like such a creaky issue i think i think most people feel that and that's you know leads to most of our of, of our problems but then i just feel when you when your first game back you lose two key players and you have to bring on louise who you've dropped and so mentally already he is pissed off and his performance was awesomely terrible and then you lose the i just think like i i my feeling is Imagine, imagine if that hadn't have happened, Ryan. We started well against City, right? We actually started perfectly well against. If you look at the stats for about the first 20, 25 minutes, they're almost exactly the same, both about us and them. And then obviously we collapsed after all that happened. But I don't think you can judge anything from that game. And then the second game, um, the Brighton game, Saka in midfield, a really interesting, you know, choice, nearly scores in the first five minutes, hits the bar. Then everything goes wrong after that, obviously. But again, we started well with an interesting setup, and you know we were quite flowing quite freely. And I thought there was, you know, particularly from Zaka, and you know, Pepe's got to bring a goal. There were positive. There were positives, and I just feel for fans to not to then start going on about. And I, I, I think the crisis that you're talking about there. There's two big, two separate things. There's the crisis in terms of re-signing players like Zaka, which I totally agree with you. We have, I mean, Zaka particularly, we just have to retain him, and if we don't, that will be a huge embarrassment and a disaster. I, I think those lone players are not so not so bothered about. But there's that. There's the management of the club, if you like, from the hierarchy, and then there's Arteta, his performance, which I just don't feel. You can judge right now, bearing in mind how, and, and even the team, even the team. I don't feel it's fair to judge on on the disastrous things that have happened in those first two games. You see what I mean, um, Chris? I just feel like those those two results are not indicative of anything really. They're, they're kind of freak situations, both of them. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with that. More on more on the City game, 
than on the Brighton game. On the City game, I think you're right. I thought we were doing okay for the first 25 minutes. And then the, it, maybe the game plan didn't quite go out the window, but with the personnel brought on the pitch, it's certainly harder to enact it. But the Brighton game, I just thought it was a bit of a return to form for, you know, it just it felt a bit almost like, you know, Emery's Arsenal. And, and that is going to happen. You see that happen time and time again with new managers. They'll come in, they'll implement their ideas. It takes time for for these ideas and, and, and the philosophies and the way they want to play. It takes time for all of that to come through. And you're now and again, you're going to revert back to the old ways. And, and it did feel a bit like that. And, and the thing I would say about Arteta as well is, you know, I think back to when he joined in, was it November or December? And, and I thought, well, the, se- the league season at least is probably a bit of a write-off here. So this is just a great opportunity for him to come in. It's a bit of a free swing. And crucially, it's a time for him to A, work out, who actually wants to be at the club and who he wants at the club and B to just sort of find his own feet a bit with what it's like managing, uh, you know, as number one in the Premier League. And, you know, I think we, we do need to afford him a bit of time as much as, you know, like when we, when we have young players, we say we just give them a bit of time, allow them to make mistakes and don't get on their back. I think we mm. do need to be the same to an extent with Arteta because, you know, he is going to, he's, he's not going to be the finished article. We're not getting Pep Guardiola as much as some people seem to have, maybe thought we were getting some version of Pep. You know, we're not we're not getting that with Arteta. But what we are getting is, you know, this I think quite a brilliant managerial mind who's who's just going to take a bit of time just to find his experience. And yeah, I just think I I think that um yeah. Mm. Just going to go on Josh. Boy, no, you were talking there about, you know, Arteta and the uh pre lockdown and and you're right, the there were encouraging signs and I think we probably all get wrapped up into the more positive atmosphere that has been around the Emirates and it's been a lot happier and it feels like the unity had been almost coming back amongst our fan base, which is something that has 100% been missing in the last couple of years. And yet, if you still look at our away form, it's, it's pretty disappointing. I don't think Arteta... I might be wrong. Am I wrong? I don't think I am. They hadn't won a Premier League away game. If we started at Everton, I think it was just a series of of draws and, and defeats and that massive block of going out to Olympiacos uh, at home. So I, I don't know. Yes, we were in a little bit of a run, you could say, because we'd had some home victories. But equally, you know, things hadn't necessarily improved in, in terms of results. Things looked better. And I agree with you, Boyd, what you mentioned there about certain points about the performance on Saturday against Brighton, you know, was encouraging. And I really think we were unlucky to lose the game. You know, nine times out of 10, we we don't lose that game. It's a really good goal from Brighton, but equally the two goals we concede, if you're, you know, looking at it critically, you're frustrated. You're frustrated with the first one that the corner, they haven't got out to to block it quick enough. I think Pepe isn't even watching the game when the, then the cross comes in. Lacazette hasn't reacted to stop the cross. And then Guendouzi, who I'd really want to talk about, doesn't stop the ball from Connolly, you know, and it ends up in a goal and it's frustrating. But I think we have to turn the corner soon. I, You know, if you're thinking, I don't know what you think, the best result we had under Arteta was Chelsea away, you know, grabbing a yeah. point. Have, have, we, have yeah. we done anything overly exceptional? So I just want to, just want to see perform- something yeah, that- soon. That performance in that game was was very exciting, and I felt because that wasn't a that was a really good away. It was a very spirited. It, yeah. That had that had everything. I mean, you know, we didn't win the game, short of winning the game, but you know, coming back twice from yeah, that that was that was kind of incredibly promising, I think. But equally, I, I'm sure. Go on, yeah. 
No, but it's just right now. I'm I'm just intrigued because you've got. We're, we're, it's unusual for Arsenal to be in this position, right? What are we eight games away from the end of a season? For Arsenal yeah. to have, we don't quite have nothing to play for yet because we got the FA Cup. But certainly in the league, it's a very unusual situation because now to get in the Europa League or Champions League is it's not impossible. But we're about a one more defeat, unexpected defeat away from it, and therefore I mean, what do you want to see, possible, boys? I think. Go on. What yeah. you, but what, what do you want to see? see from these next eight games? Like, would you, you know, um, if if Ceballos and Luis, all these players might be off, then mm. do you just go with youth? What What do you want to see? I I kind of hope they that, that those players do leave. To be honest with you, I, I I I mean, Mari, I think's here for. I think I think the that he's staying permanently. Um, from 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 what what I've read, I think that is that that's a done deal. But the other three, I'm just I yeah I just I would rather now that Arteta now uses these eight games to work out what his best 11 is, because I still don't actually think he knows what his best 11 is, um, to work out who, you know, actually has a future at the club and, you know, blood in some of the youngsters, give them some more, you know, valuable minutes. Um, you know, Maitland-Niles in midfield, is it is it worth giving him a run just to see if if he can if he can put a shift in there? And if not, it's only going to increase his, his value to, to potential suitors. So I think that, I actually would rather see all these loan signings leave. I appreciate that a lot of people will be pretty angry about that, um, especially regarding Ceballos. But I just don't see the value in keeping him for eight games that aren't really going to mean anything. Probably. I agree. I think with, I, I agree with about that. I think Ceballos. I mean, Ceballos just has hasn't been. He's had moments, hasn't he? Had that his his first game was as astonishing, wasn't it? Like um, his first home game was it? Um, where he was kind of seemed to be seemed to be the answer to our prayers, and then against. Burnley, I think he was. But I yeah. thought when he came on, when he came on for Xhaka the other night yeah, when he yeah. went injured, he was possibly our best player in that first half. Yeah, he was good on. in that. Yeah, that's true. But everyone was terrible. The rest of the team was. Terrible. But certainly, I thought against Brighton, it was a classic. It was that's what we've seen from him. You know, kind of very got a lot of sideways passing. He just has no pace, does he? And and I think in. I feel like in a midfield, I mean, we're running out of central midfielders, aren't we? That's, I mean, that's partly why Saka's in there. I know he tried playing Saka in that position in the friendlies, and, and I'm really happy that Saka's in that position. I think that's great, because I think, why not try him in there? And I think he had some really promising um, moves in there. But I don't think Sabahis has been just been good enough to retain. I, I, I agree about that. And I absolutely, amazingly, mate, no, I was up a th- absolutely, you know, why not give him a go? You know, that's he, his chosen position. He thinks... He should be given a chance. I know um, Arteta was singing his praises, I think, after the friendlies, wasn't he? He was talking about how some players, some of the young players have come on and he's really pleased with their attitude. I know he had an issue with AJ Maitland-Niles' attitude, I think, to start with. That seems to have gone. So I'd absolutely play him. I'd rather see AJ Maitland-Niles in there than than, than Sabah, specifically. I think when people say, would you, you know, throw in all the youth, throw in all the young players, I, I, I've never, I don't really, I think that's a kind of misguided thing because... If you do that and you then go on to lose even more games, then then fans get really furious and that kind of reflects worse on those young players that, he, that you've picked. If you try and pick all of them, having said that, I think it's weird that Martinelli isn't getting more of a run out because I think Martinelli showed some brilliant uh, promise earlier in the season. But let's let's talk. We've got to talk about um, the Brighton game, haven't we? The, the we've got to talk about the um, the Leno situation and that foul on him. Now there was an incredible amount of anger about that. Rio Ferdinand. You know, said it was basically totally to be expect, accepted, expected um, from the player that fouled him. 
Um, and Arsenal fans were mostly, from what I could tell, absolutely furious about it. A lot of people who know more about football than me were saying that sh- that type of foul should be outlawed, and you know, but it wasn't even booked because it's not. It wasn't, and and it seemed like a freak twist from Leno. What, what was your feeling about that, Chris? Were you furious about it? Do you think you know? Do you think it was a disgusting moment, or do you think these things happen? Yeah, I mean, obviously at the time I was outraged and incensed as as you're inclined to do as a partisan fan. Um, now that I think about it, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm angry and quite upset for Leno if if the injury is a long term one as as we fear. Um, but look, until it's ruled out, there's just nothing we can do about it. To be honest with you, until until those types of challenges, I mean, you know, sort of attacking at players who are mid air, until until those sorts of challenges are ruled out, I just don't think there's a lot we can do about it. Um, it it's really frustrating and very typical of Arsenal. I do think actually it's kind of um, uh, it's kind of ingrained in, 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 in how a lot of teams actually approach Arsenal to just, um, you know, it's that classic, just get stuck in a bit, show them that you're there, you know, rough, rough them up a bit. It's, I think that that's the thing that in the long term I'm more concerned about is how do we shed that, that sort of reputation that we really had since sort of late Wenger years, really. Um, you know, what do we do about that? Because we, we do get sort of, fouled a lot by teams and, and they seem to get away with it um so i think i think yeah. that's something we need to probably address long term yeah. i think that that's I, the thing that, that really frustrates me yeah i was more you're right i was more annoyed about bisuma bisuma committed what seven or something fouls yeah exactly. and didn't get booked incredible and he was of course martin keown's man of the match which is, which is classic <laughs> i have to say Keogh, I mean, I love him. Obviously, he's an absolute Arsenal legend, but I find his commentaries comical. Like, he contradicts himself. He, it's just crazy. Like, he was slagging off the defence half the time. Then um, towards the end, just before we could see to the second goal, he was saying how well um, holding him and stuff he had played. And I was thinking, they've done all right. And then, of course, we conceded the, the, the second goal. It was a disaster. Anyway, but... Basuma committing all those fouls and not getting booked. Of course, it's 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 the ref's fault. I mean, I, I also hate Martin Atkinson. I think he's absolutely shocking. I, I can't stand him. Anyway, so the combination of Basuma and Atkinson, I was furious about. I was much more angry about that, I have to say, than I was about Morpay's challenge on Leno, which I just felt I just felt it was one of those things where his he, he was going from the ball. Obviously, by the time he got anywhere near him, Leno did have two hands on the ball, but he'd already, I feel he'd already was running towards him and, and, you know, to, uh, making a challenge. And it's rare for a player to suddenly pull out of that, isn't it? I just feel like, and I also think it's one of those situations where if it had been like Lacazette who got booked for a challenge on their keeper later, or Aubameyang, one of our forwards making a, uh, making a challenge like that on, on their goal, but I don't think we would have been as up in arms about it. I don't know, you know, I just think that, I think that for me, I, 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 the fury I see from a lot of us, and it may be like, you know, I, I may be completely wrong, and it may have been, and obviously it's dangerous, I know in rugby it's a sending off, but rugby is a different kind, that's a different kind of context. I just, it didn't, as it was happening, I couldn't feel, oh, I'm absolutely furious with Morpay. Josh, were you absolutely furious with him? I think it's unnecessary, but I don't think if it had been Lacazette or Aubameyang doing that, that we would we would be, you know, doing much apart from defending him. I think it's yeah. slightly unnecessary. He's just trying to leave a mark because I think, you know, you see that all over the pitch. Even when something might not be given for a free kick or a yellow, you could still just leave a little bit on a player and just, you know, that plays in your mind the next time you're, you know, coming for a 50-50. So, look, you can understand Leno's reaction because 
players know when they've picked up a significant injury or likely to have done. It doesn't sound good from what's coming out of the club today. But, you know, there is VAR in the stadium. If it had been felt like it was a significantly bad challenge, it would have been dealt with there. And it's unfortunate we've we got to move on. And we've got, um, you know, a keeper that hasn't played a lot of Premier League football for Arsenal. I think his last Premier League football was, you know, three three years ago for us. But he's an Argentinian international who's been called up to squads, not played for the international squad, but this is a, a massive opportunity, I guess, for him. He's played in the Europa League, played in the Carabao Cup. I don't know about you. What did you feel? I thought with that second goal, he shouldn't have been coming out to try and save yeah. that. If you look where Morpi scores from, yeah. he's beyond the six-yard box. It's not a great angle. He's got a defender closing him in. And I think Mustafi's reaction was key because he almost looked like, why the hell is my goalkeeper there? It wasn't a position that he expected the goalkeeper to come for. So, you know, there's work to do there. And... But on the flip side, he made some good saves and even within a couple of minutes, him being on the pitch. But if you if you were freezing the game at the start and said, name me two or three players we do not want to get injured in this game, you're probably going Aubameyang, Saka, Leno. And it was one of them. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, yeah. Chris, what did you think of, um, A, um, Leno having a massive go at Morpé as he was being <laughs> stretched off, which I thought was funny and, and great in a way. I mean, yeah, you know, fine. And then... Guendouzi kind of grappling with him right at the end in that. And he's, he's got away with it, hasn't he? He hasn't been... Um, he was kind of up with FA charge and the FA's let him off, which I think is he's a very lucky boy, isn't he? Guendouzi, he's, he's a hothead, isn't he? Let's face it. Yeah, I mean, on, on the on the Leno thing, I really... I had a lot of time for that. I want to see more of that from Arsenal. That sort of, you know, shithousery, I guess, is, is what is what a lot of people call it. But, um, you know, I, I, I mean, I was also disappointed that... that not, I mean, maybe it's... a sort of corona thing where the, the players didn't want to surround um more mm. but i was i was disappointed that more players didn't make a, a fuss about the situation um you know i'm not i'm not encouraging like you know scuffs on the pitch or whatever but i, I did feel they kind of all just left leno there a bit and i don't know maybe it's maybe i'm just sort of reading reading between the lines a bit with with the narrative and, and how the game went um but yeah i did definitely want to see more players shouting um at, at those who, who've injured them um on Guendouzi, i actually missed the uh the what he did at the end i sort of stormed off <laughs> when the uh when the when the uh when the game finished so i haven't had a chance to rewatch it either but um i've seen i've seen the the one picture with his he's got his hands round hands yeah. round the guy's neck isn't yeah. it it was a double. It was a, he put his arms around his neck, and then he then he also kind of kind of hit him, kind of pat, patted him, if you like, which he then responded to by collapsing in a heap, which was which was comical. <laughs> I thought with Gwen, I, I agree with you, but I, I want I'd rather they kind of shit housed him in the middle of the game and after that thing, and you know, like packed him down or you know those things that happen, rather than wait till right at the end when you've just lost. Yeah. And then you attack him physically. It was like that is that's the worst of all worlds for <laughs> yeah. me. Um, yeah, it was it was classic. Also, I, I I think it's true, isn't it? Yeah, we're kind of like on the one hand, we were showing a little bit of shithousery. I feel like it, it, when Arteta, we were doing those kind of fouls, and then that seems to have disappeared a bit, and we seem to have become too nice again. As you say, it may be it may be a, a virus thing. <laughs> Who knows? Um, let's maybe we'll take a break now, shall we? And we'll come back. After this break, I can talk more about um, this game, the game before, and the general state of Arsenal.
If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. And we're back from the break. Uh, we've got our guest, Chris Govery from The Guardian. Josh is here. Um... We have, I guess, go on, Josh. What are you going to, are you going to say? You had your finger up. Yeah, just one thing I hadn't realised. We're talking about discipline and Arsenal being fouled and what they're going to deal with. I hadn't realised Arsenal got the most yellow cards yes. and red cards this, yes. this season. So maybe we are pointing the finger uh, a little bit too much. I, I just feel with Gwendouzi, just to, to come back on, on what Chris was saying, and I know Chris didn't see the incident at the end. I don't know. It's just this thing, isn't it, about you do your talking on the pitch. And, and Gwendouzi came with this burst of fire that Arsenal fans are very excited about. And I'm just not sure. Like, at some point, him being young can't be an excuse. You know, he's played now, you know, nearly two seasons of Premier League football. He's been given huge opportunities. With Xhaka injured, there's clearly a opportunity for him to pretty much play every single game between the and end of Torreira. the And Torreira. And Torreira. And Torreira, of course. So, there's huge, you know, on his shoulders. Can you imagine if he'd have... I don't know how he's got away with that because he literally had the hand on the throat. If he'd have been suspended as well... I think it's a technical well, thing, isn't it? That I think it's a technical... He's got away with it because the referee would saw it and the um, referees, the VAR people saw it and they did not act. So, I think it's the case of they can't overrule. They can't re-referee that moment it's like if it hadn't okay. been seen then he would have so he's got away from a technicality basically exactly and you know what not that i'm his biggest fan but to be without him as well for you know a couple of games would have been a blow we don't need in this situation i just he, he's just a bit of a bit of petulance i think arsenal we, we sort of you know you talk about seeing that shit housery and he's got that but equally if it comes with talent, that's fine. At the moment, I'm not quite sure he's, he's doing sort of enough uh, on the pitch himself. But, Boyd, I know you want to sort of move on to the other topics. And, and I want to just hear what you've got to say on this Mesut Ozil situation. Because oh. we had it with, with Wenger. Let's just go. With Wenger, there was illnesses where he didn't play. Yeah. Yeah. With Emery, there was a lack of physicality that he got left on the bench. Even Freddie during that period, let's not forget Freddie Lumber was manager the last time we won a Premier League away game at West Ham. Even Freddie at points, you know, just didn't seem to want to know. So now we've got a fourth manager who has got some kind of issue. And I, I don't know. And I, this is even more. I think yeah, we've almost written him off. We've almost written him off a few times. It looks like he's come back, played a bit, you know, played well. And it's just up and down, up and down. I don't know where we go from here. Uh, absolutely. And uh, what frustrates me, I mean, I get rid of him right now. You know, I'd, I saw someone, I think 
one of one of our one of our regular uh, podcasters or tweeters tweeted saying you know, they should sack him. Like you know they should literally like not let him. You know like firing an employee. You know and then I think John Cross was furious. He was like that's a disgusting thing to say. I was like it's not that disgusting thing to say because go on. It was it was Tim Payton I think. Right Tim Payton. Thank you thank you. It was Tim and I was like fair enough. I mean he's been right. If this has been any other player, he's done something so extraordinarily bad, whatever it is behind the scenes, that the man who knew him and played with him and has taken over as manager, who played him every single game, remember, before the break, before the viral break, has to suddenly not put him even in the squad in the first game and then not play him, put him on as a substitute in the second game. What is what I mean? And, and I find two things extraordinary. One is no journalist seems to be saying what he's done. Like normally in this kind of thing, there'd be they'd all be rapidly running around trying to tell us what he's done wrong. But it seems to mystery. Like some people think he's he should have he's one of the players mentioned in that athletic piece who missed the Zoom chat about what to do, you know, with Project Restart. Some people are saying he's he's not fit enough. You know, but I don't who knows? Some people are saying he's just his attitude. But whatever it is, his attitude must be so diabolical that even Arteta has now dropped him, as you say, after all those other players. And for me it's like I think he's now more of a liability than you know, remember Sanchez at his height when he everyone hated him when he was being really snarky and horrible. He's much worse, isn't he? Because all of these managers have had a massive issue with him. He's a complete liability. We've got to get rid of him, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I would I'd agree with you that the first order of business in the summer is, is just to find some way to um, get rid of him, it, it, even if that means loaning him out to a club like Fernabachi and, and paying some of his wages um, and just accepting that that's how it's going to be for the year. Um, I saw, a, a, I can't remember where it was, I saw a tweet somewhere that, that apparently Fenerbahce are trying to crowdsource the, some of the uh, the transfer fee that would be necessary. to secure. Amazing. So, Amazing. I'm sure once we've got the link to that, there'll be a lot of Arsenal fans keen to donate to that as well. Um, yeah. I think that, I, I certainly wouldn't sack him because, you know, he's still, you know, then you're you're sort of, you're losing, you're still going to have to pay him his entire contract. And then also he, he does have some commercial value as well. So I don't think it makes financial sense to just sack him. Okay. Uh, yeah. But I do think we need to do what we can to, to shift him. And I think also the club definitely owe the fans some some honesty in this situation. Because, you know, as Josh pointed out, we've had four managers now who have all not taken him to crucial away games when he's been apparently fit and not injured. Um, and, and we've been given four cryptic responses. And I think, you know, considering the amount of money that he's on, um, I, I do think that, we're owed a bit of honesty from the club about what is actually going on there. And I think they need to treat us and treat him like an adult, I guess, and not, not just try and sort of protect him in this really obscure way, which doesn't quite protect him. Um, and, and which just manages to piss off everyone else. Because as you say, like, we don't know what's going on. We don't know what's been going on for the last four years. And, and we kind of have a right to know, I think. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's sort of my take on the Urzel situation. I just can't believe it's still going on. Like, it's just, I know. <laughs> And it's almost like, sorry, Josh, one sec. It's almost like and everyone goes on about his charity thing. And obviously that's great. You know, he's charitable. That's brilliant. But all, all players of size I can make out give huge amounts to charity. And, and it used to be a joke, didn't it, when celebrities said, I give loads of charity, but I don't like to talk about it. With him, it's the opposite. It's like he does like to talk about it. That's fine. I'm not having to go. But there's also the fact that he's had Erdogan at his wedding. You know, he's not morally, as I always say, he's not morally spotless at all. And he's and as far as I can see, he's been more of a troublemaker than any other player. And yet, if somehow he's not regarded as such, you know, like players from other clubs that are regarded as troublemakers, there's constant attacks 
taps on them. And they, but for some reason, it's just become like a player we just kind of ignore all that. Josh, what are you going to say about him? Look, I was going to say the game against Manchester City where Meza Oza was omitted from his squad and David Luiz was on the bench made sense mm. because we did not have options at centre-back. So therefore, and I want to talk maybe about David Luiz speaking after the game, but you actually go back to look at the bench and you go, OK, I understand where even in this scenario where David Luiz is maybe mentally not quite where he wants to be in terms of his commitment with the club, he kind of had to be on the bench. There wasn't another centre-back option. If Meza Ozil situation is basically what we believe, what is even the point of putting him on the bench at Brighton and making him sit there and having five other people go on ahead of him? I, I don't know. Why take him? If if the situation is yeah. that bad, why why are we taking him? Because you just, just take a ninth play like these are fairly irrelevant, right? If you can find anyone to fill that ninth spot um on the bench who you're probably not gonna select anyway. So that's an interesting one. If the relationship is that bad, why is he why did he travel? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know. I wonder whether, you know, with bearing in mind Sabias is probably off. If Sabias is off, we're not that strong, you know, in kind of attacking midfield area, are we? And maybe he's thinking he might need to call him just in terms of numbers. I mean, he might. It could, and that happened with Emery, didn't it? In the end, Emery kind of had to bring him back just because there was no other option almost. And like we needed some creativity from somewhere. So he's, in the end, he kind of comes back. I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up playing in the cup game, for example. I mean, 100 percent. Yeah. I, I think I think he will, because like him, loathe him. I, there's no questioning right now. If you think about how many players are out that he should yeah. be warranting right. some game time. Uh, yeah. at some point so I think he will and that FA Cup game at Sheffield United is in some ways let's just say I mean look I think European football is very very tough to get now not just because it's six points boy but because of the number of teams in between us and and the European spots and also because of the games we got left so really our biggest hope of Europe has switched to the FA Cup and therefore you know whereas we had put out you know, Martinez had played in the, the last round of the FA Cup at Portsmouth and, and so on. I think we absolutely, that now becomes a, a huge priority. Uh, and we just hope there isn't more tough luck on the way. I think Arsenal and all football fans were nervous about the number of injuries that were going to be coming after this break. But can you imagine now? I mean, what if something happens to Martinez? Our next option is going to be Matt Macy. He's never played a minute of, of Premier League football. He's a bit of experience playing League One. Um I just sort of, you know, this this could get worse. I mean, if if a couple more players go, I mean, we're on forty points at the moment. We're not math, you know. It could be like something embarrassing, like we're going into the last four or five games of the season, not quite mathematically safe. I mean, it's uh, oh, it could get don't, worse. Don't say that. Don't say <laughs> no, that. I'm not for a second talking about relegation. I'm just saying, you know, Liverpool yeah. are going to win the title before we're safe from relegation mathematically you know that kind of thing yeah. is gonna uh, but it's thing. interesting because I, I hear what you're saying oh, you're right on one level but on another, the other way of looking at it and i am and i am very you know I, i'm a ludicrous optimist in some ways but i uh, do look at the table we're still only two points behind spurs somehow i mean fuck knows how that is you know who let's remember have got apparently the greatest one of the greatest coaches in the world well it's only one of the most experienced winning coaches in the world and a squad that has been built over years and years and years you know 
And they're only two points ahead of us. So I take some solace from that. I know people will say, well, you know, we should focus on our problems. But, you know, as a, as a, and we're playing them. I mean, if we win that game and we go above them, I mean, imagine, you know, that's, a, that's I mean, it's possible. It's possible. They weren't so great. Oh, and by the way, Sheffield United were pretty shit in the game. There's a kind of slight evening out. Liverpool yesterday. I know. I'm just saying, right. Liverpool barely had a shot on target yesterday, you know, in their game. And I know these things are different, but... I feel there's an interesting levelling out of kind of, apart from City, who had us to deal with going down to 10 minutes, etc. But I feel we could just as easily win a few games coming up and kind of rescue things as we could sink into even lower and it being, you know, I, I, probably we'll, be, we'll end up being eighth or ninth. But anyway, it's possible that things could improve a little bit. I, I think it's partly down to who these injuries and how quickly people come back, you know, because... We've gone from having like a fairly good situation with injuries to having a much worse situation than any other team, as far as I can make out. Certainly since the, since we've come back. Chris, are you are you optimistic in any way, or am I being completely um, insane? Um, I would say I'm. I don't think we're going to get Europa League. I think we'll probably finish about. I think we probably will finish eighth. To be honest with you. I don't think we'll finish. I think we're finishing the top half. Um, so does that make me optimistic? I don't know. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I just, but I don't think, I think we're going to continue to sort of, we're sort of mentally and physically limping towards the end of the season. I think the players just want it all to be over. Um, it's been a tough, tough year for them. You know, the results are still as inconsistent as they were at the start. I think, I think the club just really need to get to the end of the season and, start this big rebuild um I, I know that's what i want if we win an fa cup along the way that'd be brilliant i don't i think you know with city chelsea and united still in there is it chelsea yeah with those three teams still in there then i just i, I i'm not too optimistic of our chances for that um yeah i just think i just think we need to just try and do what we can to get to the end of the season with i don't know some sort of good form maybe some momentum but mm. you know, I feel like our, our team, it's yeah. Go on, Josh. No, go on. You go first. I was going to say I think all, a lot of our problems are still. It's still the mental, the mental weakness. It's, it's yeah. you know that's the thing. It's like I think if we hadn't have capitulated, I think if we hadn't have lost those players against City, you know, and then we met, completely collapsed. And then again, you know, the lack of concentration. Arteta's fury was like, you know, you have to be to concentrate and be mentally strong for 95 minutes for every single minute, not just like in the last minute, give up, you know, it's like, I feel so sorry for him because this ingrained kind of weakness is yeah. so still there. And it's such a hard thing. It's such a hard element of the club to, to, to reverse. It's just ingrained in the culture, isn't it? Of everyone, like a slight default to kind of fear and mediocrity, I feel is like really hard to, but I think it just takes one performance, one good performance you know, to turn it around. And then they also, like, if we score early in a game, I, I feel like now, honestly, if we'd have scored that fucking chance that hit the bar for Saka, I know, I know I'm being... But we went 1-0 up. We went 1-0 up against Brighton. I know, but never, I know. We've never come back to win in a Premier League game when they 1-0 down at home. I know. They, they never done I think, it. I know. I think if there's going going one up very early on, I think the longer we wait, we have to wait to score. I think every, everyone is on edge. Everyone's tense and on edge. Boy. And, uh, you know, we need, that's where we need to reverse. Goal. Statistically, I'd rather be ahead in the 69th minute of a football game than the fifth because it means you're more likely to get all the way, you know, and go and win the game. Um, so we, we got in front 
and I think that's 16, is it, points dropped from winning positions? It's a lot yeah. for a, a yeah. you know, I think Aston, Aston, Aston Villa are winning that particular mini league of dropped points, but it, it's it's an awful lot. I just wanted to touch on one other thing, actually, from, from Wednesday night. Did you like or dislike, uh, both of you, that David Luiz came out and spoke after the game? Because it, it was, Arsenal have always, it was like Petr Cech always used to get sent out, or... Uh, Mertesacker, it was always be like, you know, sometimes Chesney would come up. You'd never get, you, they'd always hide. What did you, did yeah. you like the fact he came out and spoke, even though he had a horror? Uh, I personally was just so indifferent to it because I'm so used to it now. <laughs> I think if it was, if it was, if that David Luiz performance had happened in complete isolation and we'd had a year of good form from him, I would have probably had a bit of respect for him coming out and you know, trying to explain himself a bit. But, you know, it's been a season of penalties and sending offs and just him just generally being quite crap, really. Um, and, you know, the, 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 as you, you know, you, the, the, the trope of like the Arsenal player coming out and, and fronting up is just, it's, I'm just sort of a bit bored of it now. Just do it on the pitch. Like, you, yeah. yeah. I, so I, I'm, I'm different to it. Yeah. Also, he, he was talking absolute goldigook. I mean, it was mystifying because, all right, I, I admire him for fronting up. It seems like the thing that he's good at, almost like the reason we signed him, seemingly, is because he's popular in dressing rooms and can, you know, rouse the younger players, apparently. And it can be very, it's very friendly and nice and everyone likes him. And but all this, and he fronts up and, you know, he's very... But he's the most fucking accident-prone doofus, you know, a, a much worse for us than he was for Chelsea. And he had some pretty terrible times at Chelsea. So... The fronting up was fine. And then to talk gobbledygook about what decision he should have made, what was he talking about? I, I mean, it was mystifying. Well, I thought it was incredibly choreographed. What was weird watching the post-match was Mikel Arteta referenced when asked by David Luiz that David Luiz w- wants to speak to you. So they'd obviously had a conversation and Luiz has proactively gone, no, I'm up for talking to the media. And then I was thinking, well, you've only got to do that if you're going to make a point. And sure enough, it came. And I think his point was to say, I want to stay here. The manager wants me to stay here. And, you know, from above. And I think that ties in with why Arteta would have let him or, you know, go and go and do that. Because I don't think if you're the media officer of Arsenal, him going out and saying that helps you at all. Because you're making the hierarchy of the club, you know, look like not in sync with one, one, of, one of your players. I don't think you want him saying what he did. So I think he was just trying to get across to the fans to say, look, I, I want to stay. The fact that this hasn't been sorted is, has, he didn't say it so clearly, but has played into the fact why maybe he made a couple of huge lapses of, of concentration. And he wanted to get that out. And Arteta was possibly happy to let him get that out, which makes you think Arteta genuinely does want him to stay, which is a, an interesting Although, yeah. thought. It was interesting because Arteta was asked, has your opinion of him changed? And he said no. But that that doesn't mean his opinion of him isn't this complete fucking liability, does it? I mean, you know, he just... And, and, and in fact, it was quite funny because he had perfect opportunity to say, no, my opinion that he's great and he still should stay hasn't changed. He just said his opinion has not changed. It could be a completely negative opinion. So I thought that was kind of completely ab- ambiguous. I, I didn't think it, it was... Um... Look, the other thing that was frustrating, and Chris said there, didn't didn't you, about how it's become predictable. You've got used to it with David Luiz. But there's a, you can get a red card 
doing what David Luiz did in the Chelsea away game, if you remember that one, Mustafi did this horrific back pass. Um, yeah. And David Luiz ended up having to do a challenge, and he so nearly got there, but he didn't, and it was a definite penalty and red card. You can excuse a red card like that, but what he got the other night, where the player's gone, you've got to let him go. Uh, it's, it was Mares, wasn't it? Let him go. If he scores, he scores. We, we need 11 men on the pitch at the moment. That one is mind-boggling. That one is not someone who's totally zoned into what they're supposed to be doing. So, yeah, frustrating. Um, and I don't I, know. I, I mean, it's supposed to be tomorrow, I mean, we find out, isn't it? I think it's tomorrow yeah. about Cedric. We might have a yeah. player who signed for the club and never plays. Sabayas so yeah. Louis. Louis, also, let's not forget, apparently Louise is on 200 grand a week. 200 grand a week. I mean, we have to get... I'd be very happy if we never see Louise or... or um, Ozil ever again. I'm not that bothered. Sabayos, I can give or take. You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't mind. But those two, I mean, just the amount of money we're wasting on them is fucking unbelievable. And I don't see other big clubs. So I, for me, like the management, that side of our club irritates me and angers me much more than the players. Absolutely. And, and the manager. That side of it is absolutely, and it's, you know, it's still a complete shambles, isn't it? I don't see other clubs of our level having this problem. It's always us, isn't it? It's, it's just insane. Yeah, I think the, the the recruitment side of things has just been abysmal for the past, well, for the past five five or six years at least, really. But um, yeah, it's um, that that that's something which, if it, it, I try to be an optimist, but when when you look at who's running the club from that side of things, you just you, you, you struggle really. Um, I mean, I don't I don't know what what, what do you guys think? Are you, are you excited for the the summer transfer activity, or do you just think it's going to be another? Absolute car crash with with the guys in charge, Raúl and Co. Well, it's fascinating, isn't it? Because a like the whole market is is has to be affected by the coronavirus situation. So that's weird. Um, getting rid of our play, who's going to take like Urzel, as you say? You know, we might have to ship him out on loan to Fenerbahce on their on their crowd funding situation. Um, it's it's going to be one of the most interesting. I just don't see how we can sign. I don't I don't see signing many hardly any major players no i mean it's gonna be really hard isn't it it's gonna it's gonna the one brilliant thing is we've got this saliba coming haven't we finally from the, the defender the young defender that's like thank god that was done a done deal and he will arrive but apart from that we're constantly linked with this party 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 guy i can't see that happening he's gonna be really expensive yeah so it's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating fuck knows <laughs> fuck knows what happens josh I, I've got no idea, but not qualifying for European football, which now is, seems the most likely scenario, which I think will be Arsenal's first season without European football since what, 92, 93, something staggering, has to have an impact on, on what we could do in the market. And for so long, you hear about oh, Arsenal not being an attractive destination for players because they're no longer a Champions League team. If you're not even a Europa League team, uh, that surely has another impact. And, you know, you can have whichever super agent come to the director's box but ultimately if you're you know have a choice of signing for some top teams around europe or the eighth ninth tenth best team in england according to the league table i don't think you're yeah. hugely exciting but i do believe our test will europe you know, that much we'll of, have a, time of a draw do. yeah i don't know i think I there's something yeah. about playing in euro, euro european sure. football there is at least yeah. the, the carrot at the end of it that you could qualify for the champions league just by winning the Europa League, and I think financially, 
look, it's, I don't know what the situation is for next year and fans being in stadium. None of us know. And obviously that is a part of it because you're getting yourself a certain amount of match days. Like if we have no European football, then you'll probably, you know, obviously we only had four European home games this year, but on a normal year where we, let's say we might assume to hit the quarterfinals, minimum semifinals, then you're talking about six extra match days. And yes, the stadium's not full, but even, you know, six match days at the Emirates turns into a, a lot of cash. So, um, you know, it's got to have an impact in, in what oh, yeah, we're doing. Def- so I just don't think, yeah. I just don't think there'll be huge, huge deals um, at all. No. But if, uh, if we sign, if yeah. we sign Saka, every, all is forgiven. For me, that's 100% priority. He He's, you know, not only is he, you know, he's a brilliant talent who can now play almost like anywhere on the pitch. You know, <laughs> apart from goal, he's quite short. He can pretty much play every, he's, you know, he's, that's the priority for me. Just fucking sign him up. Give him 350 grand a week. I also wonder if actually, you know, a season outside of Europe might, you know, yeah. if, if we're looking for silver linings here, I think that for too long, I think Arsenal has been giving Champions League money to Europa League players who are only really coming here because they want sort of like a nice, easy London lifestyle, um, you know, live in one of the best cities in the world with loads of money and a team that has like a good reputation. I, I think we need to try and get to a stage where we're only now recruiting players who actually want to be here. Um, and I think not having European football means that hopefully we would only hire people who genuinely want to play for Arsenal. Um, no caveats, they just want to play for the club. Um, and, and that's that. So I, I do wonder if maybe being outside of the sort of pressure of, of, of European football, I don't know, maybe I'm just trying to see silver linings where there aren't any, but... You know, no, it, I think I think you're right. I think because teams like Man U and Chelsea have had this, haven't they? You know, not too long ago, they both didn't get didn't play in Europe at all at various times in recent years, and they bounced back. I mean, obviously they're much richer than us, so there is that. But I th- I agree. I think having a core, you know, yeah, I don't think it would be the end of the world. You know, I mean, and also we're spoiled, aren't we? You know, I mean, we've had, yeah. you know, as you say, your people, it's, it's you know, spoiled for kind of do not doing that well in Europe has been a thing that's been going on. So long. I'm not sure if not being in Europe at all would be such a disaster. Anyway, we're running out of time. We've got to do by far the most important part of the podcast every week, which is predictions. Um, this is even more difficult than usual, isn't it? Southampton away. Southampton suddenly playing really well, aren't they? I think like one of the better teams back from um, the break. It's a tough one, isn't it? I know. Yeah, I mean, tuna win. Go on. Chris, Tuna win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To us. Okay. Why Josh are you so is, confident, Josh Chris? is incredulous. <laughs> <laughs> I just think this. I just think the, revo- the results for Arteta are, are patchy. I just think. I don't think. I don't think it's as doom as doom and gloom as you know. Everyone. Everyone makes. I, I think we'll get an away win soon. I think statistically we probably have to get an away win soon. We've got you know an okay side. So I just yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stay positive and say we'll win by two goals. So two 0 But yeah, I like it. Yeah, I, th- I think we can get a draw. One all. Which should probably take right now. I think I'd probably take it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 I personally think European football's gone. I just don't want us to get into a rut of defeat because I worry about those games ahead against Wolves, Leicester, Tottenham. Um, I think there's tough games to come. So I just want to get out of this rut. So I'll go 1 1. I'll go 2 all. That's which I predicted for the last game. But um, yeah, I'm going to go 2 all. I think we'll get a draw, yeah. And then Sheffield United in the cup. Really tough to call, isn't it? I yeah. 
I, I, I think we'll, I actually do think we will win that one as well because Arte- the, the away performances in the cup this season have actually been under Arteta anyway. We, they've been okay, right? We've won them. Well, obviously we won the FA Cup games, but yeah, and we, and we did yeah, okay yeah. in in Greece. Yeah. Um, yeah, scrappy win. I'll take that. Yeah, I, I think we'll win the cup game. Yeah, I think like Martinelli will play. Um, I think there might be some, you know, I think um, like Martinelli, Pep. But I think yeah, I think they'll do well. I think I think we'll win that game two one. Josh, I think we'll we'll lose on penalties. I presume it's only it's only one tie, isn't it? I think because we'll, yeah, we have to have a yeah. result on today, don't we? So yeah, okay. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna say we're gonna lose on penalties. Or... By the way, talking about the Europa, then what? Where do we have to finish to to qualify for the Europa? It partly depends on it depends on Manchester City. City. Yeah. yeah, but we could finish seventh again, couldn't we? Like if if City go out, I think we could finish eighth. Right. If, if Man United or Chelsea. Or City win the FA Cup, that knocks yeah. it down to what would normally be seventh place. But with City, if City is still banned, then it would knock it down to eighth place. Am I right? Or have, I, have I got that wrong? I think you might be right. I think it's more open than you think because I know it, we're, you know we're on only on forty points. But Sheffield United are only four point only four point seven. They are they're not great. I mean, they're just not great. Two points behind Spurs. Two points behind Palace. Six points behind Wolves. I think it's that seventh, that golden seventh spot that we aim for, that would. That will get us in the Europa, I think. Anyway, who knows? Chris, it's been a joy having you. Thank you very much. Thank you. For your um your positivity <laughs> to some extent. <laughs> to some extent. Um and Josh, thank you as ever. And I guess we'll be back next week, won't we? Oh god, I hope please God we don't lose both these games. Yeah, that'll be that'll be a fucking nightmare. Thanks everyone. Bye. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.